You're listening to the Own the Build podcast, where each week, Liam Curley and Paul Hemming from C-Link discuss how small and medium-sized developers can level up their business through smart construction management. Paul, you're here again. Sadly, for you. <laughs> but we got Piragash back as well. The main uh, man. Piragash. How you doing? Hey, how's it going, guys? We're good, thanks. So, um, Piragash has been on the show before, but just in case you didn't listen to that last episode, Piragash, Piragash is the founder and MD of Titan Finance, an FCA regulated brokerage and debt advisor for SME property developers. Um, the main man, effectively. We've finally got some common sense on this. Period. I like, you know, just as um, I consider myself the, uh, as, as we've kind of mentioned, the number one, before we start recording, number one host for construction management related uh, topics, uh, insight, podcast in Southeast, uh, well, London, really, on the market. Very niche, very niche. Um, Piragash is that is the main man for um, uh, funding uh, advice, basically in brokerage. So, um, which is not as niche, just more of a. I, I think that's more to shout about. Probably. I'm still scrabbling around for a uh, for an accolade of my own here. Aren't I? I've, got, I've got really got to work on that. Well, just do what I did and make up some nonsense. <laughs> so. Um, Today we're gonna. The topic is bank monitoring and project developments. So let's jump straight in um, with Piragash. How do banks monitor project development? I think I think the first thing we've got to answer actually is not so much the how, but why. You know, why do banks monitor? You know, you 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 work so hard to get your loan. Uh, get, gets credit approved, you you do the legals, you pass the vows, uh, your costs are reviewed. You know, why should they kind of keep keep uh, a focus on, on on the project? And and I was doing a bit of research and I found out that in, in 2015, KPMG did a worldwide survey and they found that 69%, 69% of construction projects go over budget by 10%. Yeah, it kind of puts to bed the whole idea of the five percent contingency, the ten percent contingency. Yeah, and um, and so I started looking at examples, you know, because for for SME developers, we're already, you know, facing an uphill uh, battle because people look at SME developers and go, well, you maybe don't have quite have the experience, and this project is a step up, or maybe you lack a, a technical person in your team, or mm. you know you, you lack the right frame, construction management framework, you haven't spoken to C-Link, you know, any of those sorts of things. And so uh, I looked at, you know, past projects in the UK. So you guys are aware of Holyrood, right? So this is the Scottish Parliament mm-hmm. building uh, that was created. Um, so this had a budget, quite exciting budget, uh, back in 1999 <laughs> at something between 10 and 40 million. So uh, Liam and Paul, what do you think the uh, final cost was? Uh, is it, this is like how many how many sweets are there in the jar kind of thing, isn't it? I reckon it was about ten uh, ten 10% over. That's what That's, I, that so. can't be enough. That can't be enough, <laughs> Kels. No, you, you, you said 40 million was the original... 
when you're playing this game, when you're playing this kind of game, Piragash is not be going to be happy. Yeah, if you if if I go in and say one billion, should we? Should we no, 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 let's just, let's just lowball him. Let's lowball him so, so that it doesn't look good. I don't know, maybe eleven mil. <laughs> Sixty million. Go on, Paul. What's yours? I'm going to go with something. It would have been a government project, so I'm going to go with something daft like three x, like hundred twenty million or something like that. Okay, so bearing in mind again, you know, don't mind plugging. They did not use C-Link. <laughs> These guys, 414 million was the Head final X. end cost. Yeah. Wow. 414 million. Now, you know, I, I mean, there's loads of articles. I didn't read too much, but the high-level headlines were the individual phasing kept being pushed out and the design of the building kept being, being changed. Um, but... When you look at the project manager on this, Bovis Lendlease, I mean, you know, let's be honest, these guys know what they're doing. Mm. And yet still from 40 million to 414 million. I mean, it's it's staggering, really. Yeah, it is incredible. Then, then you look at other projects like uh, you, you people, some of our older listeners may remember the Millennium Dome, you know, 60 million over budget. And then, of course, the uh, one of the the most expensive. I remember that. <laughs> what are you saying? <laughs> are you are you going to mention Wembley now? Is that is that your next one? Well, you know what, I was looking for Wembley and I couldn't find the numbers on that. But but this has got to beat beat the biscuit. Is the Channel Tunnel started off at four billion, ended up at twenty one billion? Um, you know what 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 a staggering kind of cost mm. overrun and that was really about disagreements between two sides right so this is yeah. where you know the French side and the English side obviously uh, uh, just as well we've got Brexit now but couldn't agree and you know <laughs> a bit late we, isn't it well yeah it's on that front uh, <laughs> and you know we've still got other projects like HS2 so mm. the point is is you know when you look at these types of project whether it's allocation of time and resources, environmental factors, lack of foresight, um, absenteeism of key it did, workers. It doesn't matter what it is. You just don't trust us. Is that what you're saying, Piragash? Well, Piragash. you know, it, it's the, I think on one hand, it, it's the fact that we are dealing with a complex process. Mm. You know, this is, not, um, this is not even a simple marathon where you go from A to B to C to D to D to F. You know, there's so many moving parts in a construction project, so many different subcontractors you've got to manage that it only takes a disagreement between two or three for it to have a leveraged impact on the overall project. The cars come tumbling down. Yeah, exactly. And so that comes down to then how. So, so we've clearly got the why, right, which is that when it comes to construction projects, even the best of us, out there, the very large companies do see, you know, big cost overruns. And look, some of the ones that we've talked about are public, you know, projects. And so mm -hmm. naturally, you know, they, 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 have, they go through many changes. Now, clearly, uh, uh, you know, a six house development is going to go through less design changes, etc. But but the principle is the same. Mm -hmm. So for a bank, you know, one of the one of the critical things I, I want to get across to our listeners is that bankers are, are great, or, or, or at least we well, 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 let, 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 right, hang on a minute. Let, is that let, it? Is that the big takeaway? Yeah, Bankers are great. Let, 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 let me let me finish that. Which is right. That. That's it. We, we've, we've learned everything. Drop, we drop, drop the mic. No, no, no. I mean, the the point is, is that we hope that the bankers are great at managing and evaluating risk, hmm. um, but 
let's face it, if there starts to be technical issues on site, a banker is not going to be able to suddenly work out what is the problem with uh, a foundational issue, a structural issue, or even uh, a HR problem in terms of the management of different subcontractors. Mm. And so that's why they need a specialist, an independent specialist, who's going to advise them. And this gets to the bottom of the how. Often and, and predominantly, uh, a bank will either have in-house surveyors or more certainly within the SME space, they'll hire a what's called a monitoring surveyor, somebody who's there to kind of initially at least, you know, the intensity with which they may uh, arrive on site is probably driven by when you want money. So every month yeah. when you perhaps push for a drawdown, uh, a monitoring surveyor will turn up, they'll review the site, they'll review the, the, the time, they'll review the, the budget plan, they'll review the costs, and they'll see whether things are appropriate. Are you spending what you say you're spending? Mm. Because, of course, a banker turning up wouldn't know if you've actually spent 100 grand on the groundworks or 50 grand. Yeah. But it's really, really important that money is placed <clears> and, and given only where value is being created. That's the fundamental point about development finance. So really, that's that's where uh, and, and how um, um, uh, a bank is kind of uh, looking to kind of review and, and uh, monitor a project. It's important, though, isn't it? I mean, I guess to uh, to try and because there is obviously I'm a QS, but um, managing the uh, monitoring surveyor from a developer's perspective is uh, important, obviously, to deliver the cash flow for for the project. But if you don't get it right uh, and you don't get the money released from the bank. Uh, to pay your subcontractors or your contractors or whoever, then you're actually potentially giving yourself an even bigger problem because you're potentially slowing down the works. But this is also a problem for the for the bank because if you're um, unable to fund the project in terms, so, so say there's fifty percent of the groundworks is done, or that's what you get paid by the monitoring surveyor, but the reality is the contractor is at seventy percent, and you're unable to pay the contractor what they're due then that it becomes a problem for all stakeholders involved right so it's absolutely critical to get it right i think that's right and i, I think you've made a really interesting link which is as opposed to seeing the monitoring surveyor as someone that you're combating with um you know what's really critical from a stakeholder perspective is that you you learn as a developer to work with the monitoring surveyor what do they need and also remember, the monitoring surveyor more than you is the mouthpiece to the bank. And, and finally, of course, you get another qualified person with a view on what's happening on the project. Um, I had a, a client of mine, a developer, and he was really cute at kind of using the bank's monitoring surveyor, the building controls guy, the warranty provider. Mm. He would have all of these independent consultants that ultimately he was paying for to come on different days and to be really critical of what was going on site. And actually it ended up being an extra seven, eight, nine, 10 pairs of eyes on the project. Everyone giving a different type of feedback to the developer yeah. in terms of, oh, that contractor's actually being a bit slow, or this is this appears to maybe be a problem in the future, or this is what I'm gonna be reporting to, to the bank. Does that agree? Because for yeah. example, sometimes, and it's okay, if the MS, the monitoring surveyor, has a different opinion to you as a developer, 
But the critical thing for you is that you need to know what the MS's opinion is so that you can then work out how you can control the narrative with the bank. Yeah, exactly. But why does that, why does that, um, why does the narrative matter with the bank? Because broadly, broadly speaking, I understand why, because of what you said at the start with the risk, why they want to monitor it. But going um, uh, kind of deeper with that, why does it really matter? What the what they've already if they've already committed this is going to, I'm going to be asking some naive questions no doubt but why does it matter? Uh, I think it matters because um, there are facts and there are opinions. So for example, if there's a cost overrun, let's imagine on the site um, of say 100k or say five percent of the project, right? That probably is a fact that we can probably agree to. Right, between the MS and, and, and the developer. Mm. What we probably disagree on is what impact that has on the rest of the project. So now it's about controlling the narrative. The fact will go back to the bank that there is a cost overrun. Now that we know what the MS is thinking, so for example, the MS may think it's quite early on in the project and we've got some concerns over a big section that's of the construction project that's due to come. Now... Liam, you can control the narrative. Why is it important? Because if the bank loses faith through an opinion, they could actually actually stop funding the project and Mm. ask that you put in more equity. So that's why it's important to control the narrative. And you do that by understanding all of the stakeholders and understanding how. It's the same as anything, right? Where when you first have, getting the first couple of months right is absolutely uh, imperative to how the balance of the project goes, right? So if it, when you've got the MS first first arriving on site or arriving for however it's going to be valued, um, it's making sure that you're absolutely spot on with how that process goes, getting your um, contractor, whether it's the groundwork, it probably is to start with, to be absolutely aligned with you in terms of valuation because it's in their interest. Um, and if you can do that, then by the time you get to the frame going up the ms is um as we all do comfortable in the relationship a little bit more flexible i guess to the, the developers need and a little bit more trusting effectively of how the project's being managed and much less likely to go back to the bank and say uh there's a big issue because that you also got to think about it as a developer the majority of your spend happens quite early on in a project um with the key packages being awarded and expended and delivered on site uh probably in the first if it's a 12-month program say 60 65 percent is uh, actually spent um in the first six months so you're actually spending a lot of the money earlier period how, how 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 common is would it be for a bank to early on want to change the structure with which they were going to lend you money based on the input from their surveyor um that's that's a difficult question to answer in the sense of let's face it each project is very very different and i think it probably depends on a host of factors but ultimately it comes down to do we still believe the plan that was that was laid out because you know we're we've entered into a relationship for 24 months and after month three if there are big concerns, as Paul said, you know, the, 
the majority of your packages have started and if they've already started to show big problems well we can't keep heading in the same direction yeah. you know because if we've got problems at month three how are we ever going to get to month 24 to ensure that everyone gets paid so i think often if there are big problems questions will be asked and it's it's about again you know controlling the narrative making sure that for example if you are um if you are having a wobble over that initial two or three packages you know it's time to think about why you're giving such concrete view over the last three or four or five packages mm. and maybe it's because you've you know that those those costs are fixed now there's there's less uncertainty over those because of the type of contracts they are but also it's your ability to manage and this is the bit right that that separates great developers from poor developers great developers are ultimately problem solvers you know on site as a problem comes i mean very few construction projects start and end exactly how the budget and the plan was out none of them so, do yeah, exactly so the bank you know an experienced bank is also going to recognize that hmm. but it's all about risk and you know is this material are you able do you do you have a plan to get out of that is that plan involve more cash or less cash you know if, if you've got a problem but you can solve it without extra cash well obviously the bank's going to see that as a massive positive but if you have a problem that requires an extra injection of cash or a complete reduction of the contingency on 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 day two well that's going to elicit a reaction from the bank yeah i mean again this this is all about management isn't it and um it's all about managing it at the very front end managing expectations and and nurturing that relationship with the ms and, and not looking at at the uh monitoring surveyor i'm even using your your acronyms now uh Piriash, but not looking at the monitoring surveyor as someone who is uh going to cause problems for you but actually someone that you can embed into your project team and actually tap into some of their expertise to make sure that you're uh, managing the project well and, and with, with a little bit more guidance. I wanted to take a quick break from the show to share a message from our sponsor, C-Link. C-Link is software designed to streamline the process of subcontract procurement. It's a platform that helps SME developers and main contractors stay agile whilst replicating the commercial scale and savvy of large contractors. If you want to save a guaranteed minimum 5% against budget construction costs on your next project, head to www.get.c-link.com podcast to find out more. If you're driving or working out right now and didn't catch that URL, don't sweat it. We've included the link in the description box for this episode. Now, let's get back to the show. One of the things that as a a construction uh, focus or someone who's focused on the saving money, doing things uh, in a really lean way on a construction project. One of the things that I've always... Cheapskate. No, absolutely not a cheapskate. Value <laughs> value hunter. Um, oh, but, okay. 
I like that. Value hunter. <laughs> Just straight off the top of the head. No, but... That, that could be a show. I'll tell you what. That's something for BBC too. If Dickens is, uh, Dickinson is not available, you could get in that. No, it's, it's a pretty low-budget Netflix show from like Scandinavia, isn't it? Value Hunter. They've had to, they've had to get it in now because there's no other content. That's the sequel from Troll Hunter. <laughs> anyway. Sorry, so, Paul. No, no, it's good. Um, you know, so one of the things that you would do as a, one of the easiest ways to negotiate value, to hunt for value on a, as a QS, when you're doing your procurement, right, would be, okay, so uh, you've told me it's going to cost £100,000 and um, I'm looking for ways to save money. How can, I, how can I help you save money on this project, Mr. Groundworker? And the groundworker would say, well, look, you've said it's going to be a 30-day payment. Uh, if you can pay me every 14 days, then uh, I'll give you a 2.5% discount or there, there is economies to be made from that because it, it helps me save money etc etc so one of the things that with with the monitoring surveyor which I, I i picture as being quite restrictive almost as the developer making it more difficult for me to structure the project cash flow gain and benefit from the co- project cash flow by procuring in that with that example how can i how can i say to the monitoring surveyor or to the bank look it doesn't We've said it's going to be a million. We actually want to get it for 950,000. One of the ways we want to do that is through cash flow and through offering cash flow benefits to our supply chain. Help me do that. Because I, I hear so many times from so many clients, um, you know, we're not getting paid on time because there's a there's a lag between us agreeing something with a subcontractor and then the subcontractor is waiting 7, 10, 14 days for the monitoring surveyor and the bank to actually cash, to say, yep, there's a tick, cash. So rather than it being an enhancement to the project, it's, it's the opposite. It's actually uh, frustrating it and making the challenge more more difficult. So is there anything that you could do there? I, I think the key thing is, I mean, there's a few things you could do. Um, number one, I guess, is is have enough cash that if you've got your working capital sorted, you're not then um, at the behest of the bank in order to pay your contractor because you know the bank is actually going to pay you. So that takes away the uh, pull, if you like, of the monitoring surveyor. That's the dream situation, though, isn't it? We're on a tough project, it's a tough market. Yeah, but, but at the same time, it all comes down to the funding structure. So often people are not thinking about their working capital until they're in it whereas you could structure a loan whereby the land loan effectively creates more working capital to enable you to manage the working capital across the project is that also is that also a benefit that you could sell to the bank that you could say the way i'm structuring this deal we think it's a million pound construction cost um but i'm i'm getting working capital i've got working capital i need I, need, I do need the balance, but I've got working capital. I'm going to use that working capital to try and negotiate uh, early valuation, early payment with the supply chain to actually get more money. So that then the bank would actually think, oh, God, these guys are really thinking about what they're doing and there's finding ways to make economies and, and grow their contingency as opposed to just eat away at their contingency. I mean, let, let, let's be very clear. Um, a contractor or a developer that saves money is, 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 is adding to their own bottom line as opposed mm. to helping the bank only. Um, so, you know, there's, 
But they're reducing the risk of the... Of course, uh, but, but ultimately bank. all of that helps the developer first. Yeah. Um, and, and there is a natural advantage to the bank. But also what it does by doing that is you start building your own sub-contingency into the overall limit. Because exactly. if you've saved, for example, 200 grand on a procurement, you've actually created a bit of capacity in the loan facility for 200 grand. Well, this is, this, this is what, as a uh, young QS and monetary surveyors and contracting QS, as I was a contracting QS, are different, right? Uh, it's, a, it's a slightly different mentality. But what we were, or what I was always taught was that you find ways to build your, your small pot of money in addition to your contingency, that you don't go around telling everyone that you've got um, in, internally, but you have got it because, as we've said already, there's so many problems that happen on site, et cetera, et cetera. So um, it's, I always worry with where, where it's very tight cash flow-wise that you're unable to do that. One of the levers to do that is to structure um, early payments or, or so on with the supply chain. So interesting point. What I would also add, um, you know, <clears throat> so, so point number one was you know, create your own, as part of the structure, think about the working capital to give you that as a Flex. as a very proactive measure. Yeah. Point number two is, work, you know, as you're changing things with the subcontractor, you've got to be equally as fluid with the monitoring surveyor. There's no point if the monitoring surveyor turns up and it's got to almost reevaluate how you've done that in order, because that will take them time again. Yeah. So think about what is it that the MS has wanted and also engaging them constantly so that they're aware, so that by the time they turn up on site, you've got exactly the pack that they need. You've got exactly what you can show them, and it enables the bank to be able to move quicker. Mm. Now, point number three, beyond engaging the surveyor, is that, you know, one of the questions we would ask is how, how quickly, what is the administrative process of the bank or the fund or the peer-to-peer lender in order to be able to release funds because a lot of yeah. the specialist alternative providers are getting very, very slick at being able to release funds very, very quickly. Upon approval of the MS. Upon approval of the whatever. MS. I guess because that's also... And also, by the way, sometimes we can get it done without it being perfect. Yeah. You, know, you, you couldn't do it for every single drawdown, but there have been plenty of instances where an important... Pay, like, for example, you said... If we can get this paid in 14 days as opposed to 30, we can save 15%. But 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 can I say to you at the halfway or at the start of the project, a certain point in the project, look, I want to do a deal where I pay this specific contractor every 14 days as opposed to every 30 days. Can we, and there's a benefit, can we restructure the MS's uh, visits to the payments? Is that something that funds are open to? Of course it's possible. The one thing that, so the bank will always have certain red lines, lines in the sand. And one of those is that the bank's only going to give money that you've actually spent or actually created value on site. Mm -hmm. Like what the bank's not going to do is kind of pay you in advance just because somebody's going to give you a good deal because let's face it, potentially the money could go elsewhere and then you're left with... That's the complete opposite... Uh, purpose of having the monetary severity so that you're actually playing for value so that if it all goes uh, belly up you've got the value there that is, is is the banks yeah understood you know often for a developer there are so many things going on on the site you know whether it's elements of planning still to be 
gets ironed out while you're managing, you know, different packages, contract manager, project manager, etc. That part of the thing is, how do you allocate the responsibility of managing the bank and the MS? And how do you do that to the best level? Um, because clearly, you know, Paul, you, you, you will know better than me, what are the best ways to do that? And what are the worst ways to do that? You know, and the very best ways, if you can make things easy for the MS, mm. then they're always going to ultimately be a lot easier to deal with and quicker to deal with, which is going to ultimately help your working capital. Yeah, I mean, yeah, let's, 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 hang on, Paul, before we move on, let's put, throw in a caveat as well. Um, we because go. if things are going well, that, that's, uh, you know, it's, it's straightforward. There's going to be ways to manage them, but if things are going well, that's fine. But how would you manage them if early on something's gone, it hasn't gone well, could be groundwork, something unexpected's come up and something's going to suddenly, suddenly you need a lot more money early on than you had planned. So how are you going to manage them in that situation? Don't worry about the specifics of what has gone wrong, just with the relationship. How would you both, but that's the both of you. Okay. Uh, okay, Paul, I'll let, I'll let you answer that first. Oh, nice one, Piri Gas. Yeah, throw that one to me, do you? Uh, it, it, uh, it's all about, it's a bit about context though, isn't it, here, uh, Liam? It's, a, it's about what has gone wrong. But um, I mean, if something, it's it's hard to fathom something going that drastic. Forget what's gone wrong, yeah. doesn't matter. All right, you're going to, it goes without, it, we don't have to give details as to what the advice is around that. Something's gone wrong, okay um and the monitoring surveyor has maybe been once or twice they're gonna have to send this back to the bank Mm. so what is the best way to manage the situation well i get i i I guess from a construction forecasting budgeting perspective it's um having your original budget uh agreed and discussed with the monitoring surveyor which it would be before you've even met them um having that having the impact, ascertaining what the future forecast is going to be and how it's going to impact it. So if the overall budget has gone up 10% right at the beginning of the job, it's saying, okay, we're now going to spend not 1 million, it's 1.1. In the worst case, our remedies to uh, get over that, because I don't want to overspend by 100 grand because it then makes the rest of the development look pretty ugly. Um, I'm going to have to uh, make a change from, I don't know, from uh, special air source heat pumps and we're going to have to do boilers instead or 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 we can't have that fancy lighting outside, we're going to have to do this. We're going to have to spend time value engineering packages that we otherwise didn't want to. And so that's our strategy and we're going to start that strategy next month by doing X, Y, and Z. And uh, next month we'll report how we're trying to reduce the 10% down to 7% or, or, or whatever. So it's... Uh, that would be my strategy is like, we've got this, this, it's now, it's now not anywhere near as attractive, but we've got ways and means to um, close the gap. There is always, doesn't matter how uh, economically you've uh, forecast building. Um, if you have big problems coming out of the ground, you can always do things to uh, mitigate and reduce the cost through value engineering. So early on, the um, where you're Piri Gash is laughing at that. He's 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 found something particularly fun. What have I said that's so funny, Piri Gash? <laughs> you know what it is. It's um, 
it's a bit like and I was trying to think of an analogy that would that would kind of highlight this and I'm not sure it's a perfect one but it's a bit like Paul and I agree uh once a month that we're going to meet for dinner right and we and we agree lucky devil (laughs) and we agree that we're that we're going to pay 50 50 right we we agree every every month and then then, then we sit down and I bring my 50 quid and he brings his 50 quid and I'm I'm quite excited about having dinner with Paul (laughs) said nobody said nobody ever (laughs) there's no way he's brought 50 quid for pay 50 percent there's no way Pyrogas is excited about the prospect so so, so then then what happens is Paul Mm. orders the lobster Mm. but then at the same time tells me oh by the way I don't. I forgot my fifty quid. You know what, Piragas? You you know <laughs> this story. This story is reminding me of a very good friend of mine who does this to me every time I go out with him. Is that the other founder? See, it's the other founder, Cedric, <laughs> who is really. Uh, he's a piece of work when it comes when it comes for going I, out. I was thinking you've got the wrong ceiling founder here, Piragas. If Chris going. was here, he'd be blushing like, "Oh God, he's on to me." <laughs> but. But that's what it comes down to is that, and, and I like the fact that the first thing Paul did in this scenario to go back to the construction was that he looked to value engineer. So look, I'm sorry I've I've eaten the lobster, but actually if we if we skip the starters and do this and that, we, 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 it's only going to be an extra fif, you know, 15 quid for you. Mm-hmm. But he still ultimately said to me, by the way, I've tried my best. That's 15 quid to you. Now, the interesting <laughs> thing, of course, is for banks, they have a personal guarantee. I actually have a personal guarantee from Paul. You know, so so really, he's promised this, this, the very start of this. It's starting to unravel, isn't it? <laughs> <I'm> dead, <laughs> it's over. Period. It's not happening. <laughs> but he's, he said to me, don't worry. If, if it's a penny over, you've got my personal guarantee. You can call. And I, I guarantee that I'll put that. But the first time that it's gone over, he, he, he's definitely done something. He's not just said, here's, here's 30 quid you've got to pay. He's value engineered and left 15, but he's left it to me. And often it's the it's the attitude of the developer in terms of saying, well, look, I'll take a bit of pain. Like ultimately I'm not going to – I know you could force me to take all of it, but I'm not going to take all of it. And the context plays a lot of big part here. You know, so – it, it has to be seen to be something that both of us are willing to take pain. But if you go to the bank and just say, sorry, guys, it's gone over by 30% in, in month two. Thanks very is. much. We, we, how much money are you going to give me? That's going to go down like a lead balloon. Mm. You know, whereas yeah. certainly you've got the to show you've got a Paul, plan like Paul. Yeah, the, the first thing that Paul did was value engineer, which was great. That definitely gets us part of the way. The second thing is, okay, I get that you've used your skill, but still, am I the only one taking the pain here? Because this this goes above my risk threshold now, and it, and and it's the degree to which Paul can share in the pain that I'm taking. So maybe he says, "Look, I'm trying to think I'll... of a cheap dessert that works." <laughs> <laughs> no, but maybe look, here's two quid, right? That I'll put up, and then we'll do this. Or I've I've got you know I've got a bit of security elsewhere. Mm. I know we said you didn't need that, but here it is as a bit of a charge to make things more palatable. It's got to be a two-way street, yeah. I think, depending on context. You know, sometimes you will just be able to go, actually, you know what? This is really low loan to value. You're not taking any risk anyway. It's an extra 50 grand and really doesn't move the needle, in which case it's fine. 
Mm. So context is important, but it's got to be about that kind of two-way, two-way uh, taking of pain. It's management of expectations. As uh, it's, it's it's managing it in exactly the same way as when the when you first meet the monitoring surveyor. Right? It's about uh, having a certain uh, approach which fills people with confidence. So if you're going to deliver bad news, it's thinking about how how am I actually going to get my way out of this bad situation as well, as opposed to just saying that oh, this this has happened. It's is the project is uh, is going to take a hit. It, it doesn't have to be like that, particularly at the very outset of a project in your example, Liam. And that is where probably the majority of early, majority of issues come would be out of the ground. I don't know, you might find, um, there might be archaeological things that you find. There might be that the soil isn't strong enough for the foundation. That's where things would change a lot if, if there was going to be an event. So there is always a way to manage your way out of things. To some extent, I guess. All right, the value hunter um, strikes, strikes again. Strikes again. And, yeah, and, yeah. I, and I just got a uh, knockoff lobster on dinner with uh, Pirigash. The value hunter knows no bounds. He's a real scamp, <laughs> this guy, isn't he? Really is. Absolutely despicable. So, when are we going out for uh, dinner? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like I've got a deal on my hands here. You've just told me how to negotiate. I'll send you an invite. Yeah, cheers, mate. <laughs> I mean, I think you're going to get a few uh, requests for this paragraph. I like your style. Can I come to dinner? If the lobster's on Piragash. I think it was two, two or three quid we had to throw in to get a lobster. It's <laughs> an absolute steal. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, that was great, guys. Appreciate that, Piragash. And um, hopefully uh, we'll, we'll, we'll speak again soon. There's more to discuss, isn't there? Uh, these are always good conversations. So, um, yeah, that was very nice and good Good to chat, Pirigash, as always, mate. Absolutely. Cheers, guys. Take it easy. Fish ball. See you next week, girls. Cheers, mate.